how it lights my path, how it guides my way. So I am reading um, Exodus chapter 40, um, verses 17 to 38. In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen, and screened the ark of the testimony, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he put up the table in the tent of meeting, on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. And he set the bread in order on it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he put the lampstand in the tent of meeting, opposite the table, on the south side of the tabernacle, and set up the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil, and burnt fragrant incense upon it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle. And he set the altar of burnt offering at the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the cereal offering, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he set the laver between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet, when they went into the tent of meeting. And when they approached the altar, they washed, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court round the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud abode upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would go onward. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not go onward till the day that it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, And fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel. Debbie, do you want to come up and I'll pray for you before you expound the passage to us? Father God, we do thank you for Debbie, for all that you've placed upon her heart in relation to this passage this morning. We pray that you will open our ears and open our minds to the word that um, you want us to receive today. May you um, bless Debbie, may you infuse her with your Holy Spirit, may she bring a word that speaks to every person in this meeting today, and may it be a a blessing and a challenge to us, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Well, here we are at the end of Exodus, 
Have you enjoyed the journey? If you've been coming week by week, yeah. We're at the climax, aren't we? This passage that Bruce just read to us is the climax of this story. And it may not seem very climactic to some of us as we were listening to that being read. It might sound very down to earth and practical. It sounds like a tent being put up, doesn't it? Anyone done that at Revive? Once or twice, some of you, yes, or other places. It's very practical. It doesn't always feel like a great glory moment, does it? And there are things being placed around the tent that are going to be used in the household of God so that the people of God can come together and in that space meet with the living God and in that space receive from his grace and his glory and his power and his presence. So it is a climax. And in those last few verses, we read that indeed, once the tent was set up, once everything was put into place as it was meant to be, that the glory of the Lord was there. The glory of the Lord descended in the cloud. And that is the great climax of the book of Exodus, because the message to us is, there is a place where God wants to meet powerfully with his people and surround them with his glory and his presence and his grace. There is a place. And there's a place for us today to enter into that same glory. But as I was thinking about the passage, you know, the first thing that kind of jumped out at me, and I don't know if this is just from my lazy perspective, but the first thing that jumped out to me was verse 33, and it just simply says, Moses finished the work. (laughs) And when I listened to those words, it made me immediately think that perhaps he went and sat in a nice cozy armchair somewhere, put his feet up with a cup of tea, and thought, phew, I've done it. It's finished. Moses finished the work. Because there was a lot of work, wasn't there, to do in getting this tabernacle up and running. And it made me start to think there's a lot of work that goes in today, isn't there, into making God's house ready for worship Sunday by Sunday, if I can be very mundane and practical for a moment or two. And remind us, many of us know only too well, there's an enormous amount of tasks that have to happen in order to create spaces where God's people can come together and uh, enjoy life together and touch in to the glory of God. And as I read the passage, I had just a little bit of fun that I thought I would share with you. And especially with those of you who are regulars here with us this morning, you might recognize some of these things. Because as I read the verses, I saw the tasks that Moses had to do and the things that he had to set up. And they made me think of people in our congregation who do similar tasks, okay? They're similar. They're not exactly the same. But it made me start to think about them and appreciate them. And I was giving thanks for them. I was giving thanks, as it said, Moses erected the tabernacle, laid its sockets, set up its boards, inserted its bars and erected its pillars. 
And immediately I remembered Joe, my dear husband over here. Many of you won't know the fact that in the back hall, we've got these two, this big enormous cupboard, which is jam-packed full of our equipment. And in the doorway, the entranceway here, there's another weird-shaped triangular cupboard. Did you know, people, that Joe came here one night many years ago and built all the shelving and created the cupboards. He put sockets and poles and stable things to build our stuff on. And it made me think of him. And I thought, thank the Lord for people in our congregation. Oh, you're going to clap. Hi, Joe. And there's many more to come, so don't keep clapping for all of them because I should go through it quicker, right? Then I thought, it says that Moses put the tent of covering over the meeting. And I was thinking, oh, a covering over the tent. It's a good thing they had a covering because if it rained or if it got cold or if it got too hot, that covering was protecting them from the, the adverse weather outside. And do you know who it made me think of? She's not in the room right now, but she actually did it this morning, so I'm so happy. Justine. Justine is the lady during the meetings when we meet here in the Bonhoeffer, which can be a bit cold from time to time. She will creep down the side aisle here, and she will put the heating on. Has anybody noticed that Justine, yes, Justine is the person who loves to keep us safe from the cold elements outside. I'm grateful for her, because whenever she does it, I'm always thinking, yes, just getting a bit chilly. She's on it. I then started thinking about the fact that Moses put the testimony of God in the ark and placed it in the center of the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. And in that ark, there were those laws that were given by Moses, written on tablets of stone, the very words of God to the people. And it made me think of David Pharaoh. He's not here this morning, but carrying his big Bible up to the front, ready to preach the word of God to us, putting it on. Often he puts it on the big wooden lectern, and we see that there is something weighty about the word of God that is going to come forth. I am so grateful to God for people like David preparing God's word for us to share it. And then a little bit later, it says that Moses was laying out bread on the table of showbread. And we've done it this morning. And I thought of people like Shirley who come early and make it ready and prepare it beautifully and chop it up and fill up the cups. Thank you, Shirley, for your serving in this way. And then we get to the lamps being lit before the Lord. And I was thinking about all of our lamps that we keep up in the balcony here. And whenever we have a special event here in the Bonhoeffer, somebody has to go traipsing up the stairs and bring them down one by one and light them because the lighting's not great in this building. And I was thinking, who often does that job? And the truth is, it is very often Walter who does that job and also who helped us when the outside lighting was broken. He was went outside with some special temporary lights so that we didn't fall over when we were leaving in the dark. And there are people who care about the light that shines in this building, and I'm grateful for them. And then it said that Moses was offering a a, a fragrant offering of incense on the altar so that the whole tabernacle, tabernacle could smell good and have that beautiful, pleasing fragrance. And I thought about Paula during the, particularly during COVID and during the pandemic, she was in charge of keeping us well stocked up with antibacterial hand gel and special antibacterial spray that we put around on all of these benches. And she was there in that lovely kind of, you know, 
sharp smell <laughs> of germs dying was there in the, in the air for us to remind us. And I was thinking, thank you, Lord, for people who do those kinds of things. We don't have it up this morning but because it's being fixed by Urella, in fact. But it talks about a veil and a screen that Moses erected. And I thought about the beautiful banner with the hands on it that was created and prepared so lovingly for us by Urella and others who contributed to it. And in fact, the reason it's not here today is because she's taken it to fix it up and to make it fresh and new and make it look good again so that we can hang it again to beautify the house of God. I'm grateful for those people. I'm grateful just as Moses went and offered offerings on the burnt offering altar. I'm grateful so much for Ian and his team of worshippers who come and help us to bring our offerings of worship and music and song week by week. There are many, many who help us and bless us and serve us in that way. But Ian's always here early, plugging in the wires, setting up the things they need, the stands and the microphones, and everything's in place, ready. And then there's the laver, the washing basin that Moses had to set up. And immediately I thought of Leslie because most times we come to church, <laughs> to the Bonhoeffer on a Sunday, Leslie goes into the toilets to check that there are in fact enough paper hand towels and enough toilet rolls in there. Usually there aren't. She's the one running around trying to find them, making sure we can wash and cleanse ourselves properly in the same way that Moses did here. And I know that's just a bit of fun. And I know that in a way I've missed out many, many, many names of people. But I wanted to make the point right at the beginning, it's a lot of work that goes in to the people of God gathering in a space to worship together. And maybe it's good sometimes just to give thanks for one another and to just thank the Lord for all the people who do those things. Because we can take people, we can take one another for granted, can't we, so easily. And we never want to be in that place as the people of God. Because in all of that preparation, it's all about the glory coming. And if we're looking for the glory of the Lord to be with us, and we want to make ready for that, we need to make sure our hearts are in the right place. Because his glory won't want to come if, in fact, we are ungrateful or resistant to one another or not thankful for all the good things that we do. We want to love and share and care for those efforts. And I was thinking how important those gifts are that the Lord Jesus gives to his body. He gives to the church gifts, particularly of hospitality and welcome. They're really, really important gifts, aren't they? The importance of setting things out nicely so that people feel blessed to come into the space. And it reminded me of um, the last Alpha course that we ran here in the back hall. And a lady came in for the first time. She'd never really been into church before. She was brought by a friend. And she came in and she sat down at our table. Um, and uh, I remember that um, I just said to her, oh, I'll go and make you a drink. There was a tea and coffee table at the back where people were helping themselves to tea and coffee from the urns. And I just said, I'll go and get you one. What would you like? And I took her coffee order or whatever it was. And I went to the table and made the drink. And by the time I came back to the table and just placed it down in front of her, she was already just in floods of tears. 
And somebody else had gone at that point and got her a plate of food. And they just came and put it down. And, and the tears were flowing. And she just said, I just feel so loved. I could have got my own drink, she said. I could have gone and got my own plate of food and put it down. But she said, you've just done all of this for me. And she said, I'm not used to people serving me in that way. And I'm not used to people doing those things. And we realized, because I hadn't thought anything of it, and the person who brought her food hadn't even thought twice about what they were doing. But I realized as she was talking, but it's the kindness of Jesus, isn't it, that's just flowing out and communicating to her, because it's not just a cup of coffee. Somehow she's receiving from the Lord Jesus. She's receiving from the Spirit as we do these things for her. And I realized what we so quickly forget that there are gifts that God has put in his body that minister grace to people in that way. And that if we're in the right place in our hearts, we can be those channels and those vehicles of grace that in the tiny things we do, the power of the Lord is released. So I love this passage and I love all the hard work that's going on there. It's very familiar. And the way that it ends in those verses with God's glory kind of descending with the cloud to fill the tabernacle, that is a a visible, it was a visible and a tangible assurance of God's presence with his people for Moses and the people of Israel. It was showing them beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is with you. He is close to you. He is not far off and he has not turned his back on you, even though they may have deserved that from their disobedience and their unfaithfulness throughout the journey to this point. But he has not turned his back on you. His face is towards you. His love is towards you. His presence is near to you. He's right here. He's touchable almost in that cloud. He is at hand as Jesus. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It means you can reach out and take hold of it. That's how close he has come near to his people. And that was the message of the glory in the tabernacle that descended for them. And it was also a promise that he would lead them on. It said, didn't it, that the glory would lift from time to time and move. And the people of Israel were meant to notice when that glory was not there because they needed to get up and move on into a new place because they were not yet at their destination. They were still on a journey with the Lord. So they had to watch for where the glory was moving and move after it and move with it. And the Lord's promise was, I will lead you and guide you if we will keep looking for the sweetness of that glory. And we long, don't we, for our gatherings here in this place week by week to be full of that same glory and to know that God is with us and to know that he is leading us to see where his glory is nudging and pushing and ushering us onto. We want to be people who look for that glory. And I know that many of us during our times together, we felt it in our spirit. We've tasted the sweetness of God's presence with us in our worship and in our prayer times. And I'm so grateful to the Lord that he does meet us in that way that we feel his glory resting on us. But it made me think, why does it happen for the people of Israel and Moses 
at this point in the journey for Israel? Why is it then that the glory descends in that powerful and notable and climactic kind of way? And I think it must have something to do with those verses that precede it. It must have something to do with the tabernacle being built and furnished and set up and arranged completely. When the work was finished completely, then the glory came. Everything was ready and then the glory fell. God inhabited his tabernacle. God inhabited his house. He took up residence in it because everything was prepared and ready. And as I thought about that process, it made me think of God in Genesis chapter 1, doing the very same thing for us, his people, for human beings. In Genesis chapter 1, God is creating the world He's putting it together. He's building it out of building blocks. He's putting things in place, ready for it to be inhabited by human beings who are the last ones to be created, made on day six. Before that, he's put everything in place so that the environment that we're going to come and inhabit is just right for us. There are there's sun and stars and moon in the sky, and there are plants and seeds and food growing up from the ground, and there are rivers and water moving. There's rain and a water cycle coming from the sea to the sky, and God is creating the world for human beings to inhabit, to fill it up. And here we're seeing almost the mirror image of all of that. We're seeing Moses doing the same thing for God in return. He's putting everything in place for God to come and inhabit this space. He's getting all the things set up in order. And when it is ready, God comes and fills it. And perhaps Moses And God's people needed to do that because they had already pushed God out of the world that he created. Because human beings chose to go their own way, didn't they? And Adam and Eve, they made their mistakes, they made their deliberate choices and sins, and they started off on a pathway that was pushing God out of their decisions, pushing him out of the way they were choosing to live their lives, ignoring him, not making room for him, not making space for him. And little by little, the presence of God was getting further and further away from humanity. And they were living in the desperate situation of being enslaved by sin and enslaved by evil powers on the earth and enslaved by their own brokenness and enslaved by their own... um, mistakes and regrets. And little by little, the presence of God was further and further out of reach. But here, this is a climax in the story because Moses and God have cooperated together to create a space where God is being welcomed back in. Lord, we know we pushed you away, but here is a space where we're saying, please come and inhabit our lives again. Come And be with us again. Come and get close to us again. A place where God could feel at home. A holy kind of place. A worshipful place. 
that's what the tabernacle was for the people of God in those days. And you know, that is what the church of Jesus Christ is today here on this earth. It is a place and a space that we create together where we say, Lord, feel at home here. This is the kind of place we want you to feel comfortable and wanted and welcomed, where all the things that you stand for, Lord, where glory and holiness and beauty and love and care and kindness and compassion, where they are celebrated and lived out, where the ugly stuff is kept on the outside and the beauty is preserved here so that this can be a space where the Lord again is welcomed to meet with his people. That is the church. And if we're going to be that kind of place together, we need to know that we're building that church or we're creating that space on God's terms and according to his blueprint and not just ours. So our church life needs to be built according to his blueprint and not just our ideas. And in the very physical arrangement of the building of the tabernacle and the furnishings of that tabernacle, in that we can see symbols of the kind of things that Jesus wants to be in place in the church that he is building amongst us here. Because of course what we're building is not just a, a bricks and mortar space, not just a building, although that is helpful and practical. It is the building together of our lives and our relationships. That is the space that God wants to inhabit. That is the place where he wants to rest with his glory. And that is what the church really is. It is the people and not the building. And these tabernacle furnishings on the physical level, they can point us to something. They can remind us of things, different aspects of the functioning of our lives together, the spiritual reality of what Jesus wants the church to be. And I want us to think about that just for a moment. I've got a little list of those things there. You might be able to read it, but I'll read it to you just very quickly. These are just symbolic ideas that are being pointed to in our life together as a church. So in the tabernacle, there was a tent and a covering. And did you know that in the church, in the gathered place of God's people together, there is a covering over us? Not just a roof, but a spiritual covering of protection. We need to know that and be reminded of it because sometimes we wonder when we don't get under the covering very often and when we're out there in the world trying to find our way with God, we wonder why we feel very exposed to the elements, why we feel the enemy attacking us, why we feel very vulnerable. Sometimes it's because we've disconnected from the covering that is here, that Jesus promises is here amongst the people of God. We come under this space because there is a spiritual protection and a covering for us. There was an altar of burnt offering that Moses built. And that was the place where the people came and brought their sin offerings and their guilt offerings. And where they acknowledged that they needed to repent and say sorry to the Lord for the things that they'd done wrong a place of confession, a place of acknowledgement of our failure. 
and our inability to really live up to all that God wants us to be. And you know, Jesus Church is a place for that. It's a place where we should come with a sense of humility and be able to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And bring our confession before him and acknowledge our weakness and say to him again, thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for me to fill me with your life because my life on its own, it's not enough. I need your life in me. There's an altar here amongst the people of God. There is a space for us to come with hearts that are humble and repentant and willing to bring our sin to the Lord for his forgiveness and for his dealing with us. There is also an altar of incense. And many times in the Bible, we're shown how that incense, that fragrance that rises up as the incense burns, it's like a picture of our prayers and our worship to God. It's like a picture of everything in our heart and soul being lifted up to bring a pleasing smell into God's nose, so to speak. That is what the picture of incense is amongst God's people. It is our worship and our prayer and our church life should be a place that is full of beautiful and fragrant worship and prayer to the Lord. There is also a laver, a place of washing. And that made me think immediately of the place of water baptism. We had some of those recently where we go down and we publicly enact that symbol that we are getting washed by Jesus' grace and power. And it's also a picture of the Holy Spirit's baptism in our lives, not just the water baptism, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the need that we have as human beings, not just to do things in our own strength, not to try and live a holy or a religious or a church-going looking life. If we're doing that in the flesh, it will never feel enough. It will never really enter in to the fullness of what God wants for us. He wants us to be absolutely saturated in the presence of his spirit. That's why we get water baptized and look a bit crazy coming out, dripping with water. Every single bit of us has been soaked in that water because what we're saying is, Lord, fill me with your spirit like that every single day. I don't want to do life without the saturation of your presence, without the empowerment of your spirit. Because that is the promise that God has for his people. And the labor in the tabernacle points us to the truth that we can be washed and we can be doused with the Spirit day by day by day by day in our Christian living. And church is the place to open our hearts and receive the fullness of the Spirit and receive water baptism if you have not yet done so. We get into the water because we want to get into the Spirit of God. And that is an important part of our life here together. There was the ark and the testimony As we've said, the box that contained the very words of God handed to Moses by God on those tablets of stone. And they were brought in right to the center of the tabernacle. And in the same way, we want the word of God to be right in the center of our gathering together. Because we don't just stand up and give blessed thoughts from our own brains or human wisdom about how to do life well on a Sunday morning. I hope that we don't. What we are digging for is the truth that is in the word of God, the truth of these God-breathed scriptures, to understand them for our lives. And so we get into them and we dig into them. And sometimes 
sometimes they're complicated and sometimes we don't fully understand them. But we keep them right at the heart, right at the center, because God has said, in there, there is truth. And the truth, if you will walk in it in your life, will set you free. So we go back here time and again to find his truth. There's a mercy seat in that tabernacle, and that is the cross, the New Testament tells us. That is a picture of Jesus' offering on the cross and the place where we receive forgiveness, where we receive mercy, where we receive grace. So we don't just go on in the consciousness of our sin, but we move on in the consciousness that we have received mercy from the cross. And so we celebrate the cross of Jesus and his resurrection week by week by week when we come. We sing of it. We take the bread and the wine and we enjoy it together. We enter in because that is the place of grace. And some of us maybe we're familiar with the burnt offering altar, acknowledging our sin, but we don't move through to the mercy seat and see that there is forgiveness and grace and mercy being offered there for us. We can walk out of here free from the guilt that we carried. We can walk out knowing we've met with the Lord because church is a place to come to the cross. There's a veil and a screen in that tabernacle. And you know, that speaks, doesn't it, of hiding some things, guarding some things, some things that are not for everybody's eyes, And church life should be a place where we are doing personal business with God. That we let our hearts open before him and receive words from him that are between him and us only. We don't have to share everything and put it on display. In fact, if the whole of your spiritual life is something that other people see and are participating in and that there's no other... There's no hidden place in you with the Lord. Then you are like those Pharisees in the end that Jesus challenged. He said, everything you do is for an outward show. Of course, there's an outward sharing amongst the people of God. There's always got to be an inner place where we meet with him. And it's for his eyes only, our eyes only, our ears only, what goes on between us. Each of us needs a life like that. I hope and pray we can be a church that makes room for that life, has enough guarding and screening. And finally, or nearly finally, the table and the bread that speaks of giving strength to the people, feeding the people. We do that through our preaching. We do it through our pastoring of one another, all of us. We do it through our words of encouragement. We do it through our words of strength and life that we give to one another, for our care and our compassion that we show. We feed people so that they feel strengthened for the life that they go out to. We feed them practically as well, I hope, with um, food, physical food too, But we do it spiritually because that is what we are called to. And there is a lampstand where the light is lit. 
And there is revelation that shines where we understand things that we didn't understand before and where we can take that light and shine it outwards through our windows and out, carry it out onto the streets with us um, and get our light shining forth so that people see that there is a way to go when the darkness is closing in. There's somewhere to look to where light can be found, where Jesus can be found We have a lampstand. We have a witness in our church life together. And all these things were in place in the tabernacle. And we need them in our church life too. But we need to listen to the Lord, don't we? So that we do them in a way that flows out of our obedience to our Lord Jesus. Did you notice in this passage that seven times it says... The Lord commanded Moses, and Moses did it. Seven times. You know, seven in the Bible is a kind of perfect number. It's a finished number. So there was perfect obedience as Moses built this tabernacle. And he created, out of that perfect obedience, he created that environment for the glory of the Lord to come and to rest. And it is obedience and order that makes the glory of the the Lord and the presence of the Lord welcome. He's attracted towards us as we seek to do that. And you know, the incredible thing is that the whole people of Israel, if you think about it, they were not perfectly obedient. Because only a few chapters beforehand, they were dancing around a golden calf that God had told them never to do, never to worship like that. And they had broken their trust with God hugely. God was almost finished with them, if you remember, a few chapters earlier. He felt so wounded by their rejection of him. They were not perfectly obedient. But here, Moses was obedient on their behalf. He went in and built that tabernacle and put those things in place in perfect unity with the Lord so that he could make the way open for the people in all of their disobedience, in all of their failings and mistakes to come in and enter that same glory. And you know, we have the same thing in our church life, only much much greater. We have Jesus' obedience on our behalf. And it's that that we trust in and not simply our own efforts. And that's why Jesus must always be the center of our life together, the center of the church. It's not our hard work or our service that is the center of our church life. It is not our friendships and relationships with each other, as good as they might be, that is at the center of our church life. It is the Lord Jesus himself. Because unless we have him at the head of it all, unless it is him that we make room for, unless it is he that we worship, we are not going to get the things in place in the right way. Our obedience will not be perfect. We trust in him Because he made the perfect offering. Because he lived the perfect life before his father. We can enter into that and enjoy the glory of God's presence in this place. 
If we want to see more glory in the church, we have to let Jesus lead us and have his way and follow on in his works. And finally, last thing I want to say. You might have noticed in this passage that Moses is not a priest. He's never called a priest. He's not from the Levitical priesthood that God had instituted. And yet, in this first unveiling, if you like, or opening of the tabernacle, he is the one who starts off all the priestly work and activity. He is the one that goes in and he not only sets up the lampstand, but he lights the lamps. He not only sets up the altar, but he presents the offerings, things that only the priests were really meant to do. He not only went in and set out a table, he put the bread, he laid out the bread on that table. Moses himself was entering in, not just setting things up in place to kind of make a nice visual impact on everyone, but he entered into the activity of those furnishings. He went into the spiritual significance of them. He entered into that. He did the priestly work himself. And in doing that, he was opening the way for those Levitical priests to come in and continue the work. Because you see, the church is not about creating an organization or fixing up a space for the glory of the Lord to come. Not only that, but it is important that we don't just create a nice looking space without ever entering into the spiritual reality of what we're doing together. We have to go further. We can't just put up a lampstand and say it's the church. We've got to light the lamps. We can't just lay out a table and say, that's the church. We have to bake the bread and feed people from it. We have to enter into the very life of the furnishings of the things that we see around us. And that is the call that I want to leave us with this morning. A call to God's people, all of us here this morning, to enter in. Because it is possible to be sat in the tabernacle and look at all the beautiful things and see the gorgeous golden lampstand and see and smell the beautiful fragrance, but never ever be the one who went and offered their fragrance on that altar. Never ever be the one who took their wick and lit the lamp. Never be the one who went to the table, broke the bread and offered it to somebody it's possible to be in there and spectate, but not enter into the very life of what we're meant to be doing here. And I want to call us this morning, all of us, to enter in to the spiritual purpose of what Jesus Church is all about. There are lots of areas of church life that are going on, lots of busyness, lots of organization, lots of serving. Sometimes we're part of setting all of that up, but we haven't really entered ourselves in to engage with it fully. We're just watching it all happen from the outside. And if we do that, we might miss the glory that the Lord wants to bring. The more that we enter in together as God's people, the more this will be a place for the glory to rest. And the more we will have to release 
and shine forth that glory to others. We're not just a building full of spectators this morning, are we? Not just watching it all happen. We're going to be a vibrant, obedient, spiritually alive community of God's holy people who are hungry for his glory. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living